Amen. Good morning to you. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Come on now. Come on. Now, let me tell you something. You know, when you're a kid, Christmas is always special. And sometimes when we get to be adults, it stops being special. Don't forget that every time we meet in this building on Sunday morning, it is a gift from Almighty God. We get to see family. We get to worship the King of Kings. It's reason to be excited. Amen? So don't lose that now. Don't lose that. We, we tasted what it was like not to have it. So don't forget that. Okay? Because I'll make you excited every Sunday. We get to go to church. And we get to see our friends and family, and we get to worship together. That's always exciting. Hey, we're in week number two of our series, Rethinking Church for Today. And, and our three key words that are on the screen, they're reset, realign, and restart. And we heard last week how God mashed a reset button. And he really, in the, in the case of Haggai, he brought a drought of all these different things. And we learned last week how God really put a drought on the things like, like sports and pleasure and economy and our security. He caused a drought to come for the purpose of learning to depend on him more. And today, we will look at this word align and how God is realigning his church, rethinking how we do church even today. Now, if you don't mind, get your, your device out if you got that and go there to the uh, Uversion Bible app and you, if you hit down the lower right corner and then hit events, you'll find the event for today, give you all the scriptures and all the quotes that you need. And I'm really excited about this. Yeah, remember, we, we've already done church once this week on Wednesday night. I'm very excited um, how God brought that together. I'm really excited to share with you today. And I really want you to pay close, close attention. If you're not a note taker tonight, or today may be the day to do that. It may be the time um, to do that. Okay, so I hope you will do that. Now, and let me, I, I did it right in the middle of the message. It occurred to me in the middle of the message, and this time I said, I need to write this down because um, it's really important. Um, because, you know, you've got to understand with the Word of God, it's important you always take it in context. Okay? In this case, this is a minor prophet. Uh, the book was written in 520 B.C., so 500 years before Christ. And, and it was written to the nation of Israel in a time when they were coming back from, from Babylon, captivity. And they're in the process of resettling um, in the land of, of Israel. And so that's the context of this. So we want to make sure we understand how we digest what we're going to teach today. So to help us remember, I came up with something, and that's PPE. Now, I'll go back six months ago, and I just said, you know, I said, what's PPE? And, duh, I don't know, you know. But all of us, or a lot of us, know what PPE is now, and it's personal protective equipment. If you've got a mask on today, you know about PPE. If you wear gloves sometimes, you know what PPE is. Of course, the medical profession, they know a lot about PPE. So, so personal protection, personal protection. A pr protective equipment, okay? Now, here's what PPE is going to mean for us, okay? Because again, you got to remember this book was written 520 BC to a particular group of people, so we just can't take it and go, okay, we're going to bring all that forward verbatim right into our lives today. That would not be fair to the text. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to understand that as we teach today and as we teach next week, okay, number one, there are parallels that we can draw. That's your first P. There are parallels that we can draw. Okay? There are principles that we can draw. There are principles that we can draw. And there are experiences we can draw from. So write that down, PPE, so when we be true to the scripture, there are parallels, there are principles, and there are experiences that we can bring into our lives today that will make what was written 500, uh, 520 years before Christ, watch it come alive. Now, now the word align is interesting. Um, about two years ago, I bought a Volkswagen Jetta, used Volkswagen Jetta, and um, I, I got it home, and I happened to notice something. I happened to notice that the steering wheel was like that, you know, and I'm a perfectionist, and you can only imagine how that drove me crazy, Brent. That VW was supposed to be straight up and down, and it wasn't. So my solution was, was to go to Chris Rand, my mechanic, and say, hey, Chris, can you take the steering wheel off, okay, and straighten it up? Okay, that was the easy solution. That was the obvious solution. The steering wheel is crooked. But here's what he told me. He said, you don't have a steering wheel problem. You've got a front end problem. Your car is out of alignment. And I noticed, by the way, that I had to work to keep the car straight. And the, and the way the, the camber was set on the front end, it was pulling to the left. 
Okay, so I went down to, to one of the local businesses, to a Raven, and had them do a front-end alignment, and two amazing things happened. Number one, I got back in the car, and sure enough, Chris was right. My steering wheel was straight up and down. How about that? And number two, the car no longer pulled to the left. The sad part is this. I waited too long. My tires were burned, and I had the expense of buying some new tires. So, so when God talks about realignment, okay, God is seeing us or saw us, and we're not quite going straight, and our steering wheel was crooked. And I think God sent something into our society, into our culture, to re- help us realign how we do church. And using the phrase there, to rethink how we do church for today. And I really think this is a valuable, valuable lesson today, particularly keeping in mind principles and parallels and experiences, okay? So let's jump into Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2. The first two verses are a reintroduction of characters and all that. We've heard about them, okay? We've heard about Zerubbabel, and we've heard about Joshua, and of course we've heard about Haggai. And so God opens this scripture with a very interesting question, okay? Here's what he asks. In verse number 3, the first part, here's what it says. Does anyone remember... Does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? So God is asking, he, he's referring back to the temple that Solomon has built. And so he's, he's talking to the guys now that have spent 70 years in Babylon. They've come back home. A remnant of them has come back home. And, of course, they come back home to walls torn down, city torn down, and the temple completely destroyed. That's why they came back home. Okay, now, now, they've built, now they've built the foundation of the temple. They've got that done, okay? And now God's calling them to go further, and that's what we talked about last week. But, but then he asks this question, hey, do you remember how great it was? Do you remember how great it was, this temple, this wonderful temple? Well, see, we find ourselves already in today's culture, church culture, going, do you remember when? Do you remember, do you understand just, just six months ago, we had 300 people sitting in this room? 300 people. It was amazing. We had small groups meeting. You know, you had youth impact going on. We had all these different activities. Like Blair said, you know, we would have just, you know, accomplished, you know, back to school would have been today or last week. And I mean, it just was incredible. Do you remember when we got excited? Oh, yes, I remember when. I remember when, you know. But here's the deal. That was in the past. Does anyone remember this house, this temple in its former splendor? See, you know, Solomon, when he was fixing to build the temple, said in 2 Chronicles 2.5, he said this. This, talking about the temple, this must be a magnificent temple. It's got to be the best. It's got to be the grandest because, because our God is greater than all other gods. He did not deserve a temple, just a small building. He deserved the grandest building possible. So Solomon made a commitment when he built the, the temple to make it magnificent. And we go and said, oh, I remember that. Yeah, I remember Magnificent. I, I, remember, I remember if you're old enough, if you're old enough, um, I, I, I can't really remember too much of the 50s, but I definitely remember the 60s. Those were, those were great days for the church. The highest baptisms ever reported in the Southern Baptist Convention were reported in the 50s. You, 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 some of you remember the, when you were a little kid, you remember the church was the center of the community. I mean, the church, the, the community literally revolved around the church. It's one of the most important agencies, organizations in the community was the church. It said, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I remember when it seemed like everybody went to church. I, I made a joke last week, Wednesday night. It was so true, though, that in the culture we lived in back then, you would go to the bars and get drunk on Saturday night, but you better believe you'd be in church on Sunday morning because that's what you did. That's what you did. The Judeo-Christian values of the culture was so strong. You know, the, the Bible and culture, in a lot of ways, lined up. Oh, those were great days. I told Brent, when I came here in 2000, okay, just 20 years ago, did you know there was no sports on Wednesday nights? It was honored. Wednesday night was church night. Wednesday night was church night. And slowly, we saw that change. Where now Wednesday night's just another night. And then you couldn't even think about having ball on Sunday. What even what even conceivable to have baseball? But now, well, we have baseball on Sunday. We have teams that travel all over the area, pulling people from church. 
And we go, oh, I remember back when Sunday was sacred and Wednesdays were sacred. And it's changed. Oh, yeah, I remember the good old days. They were magnificent days. Well, here's just a word. You know, Solomon's temple really was magnificent in all this beauty. It was magnificent. And you know what? Those were good days. But those good days are gone. They were gone long before COVID. Okay? They were gone. And I think that's why, by the way, I think that's what God's trying to do. He's trying to shake us up and realize that, that the 50s are gone and we need to be prepared to do business, church business, today and for this culture. And that may mean different ways and different avenues of doing things, okay? Now, here's the deal. Here's, what you need. here's the first thing you need to write down and tattoo it on your hand, okay? Is the true beauty, the true beauty of any house of worship does not lie in the building, but it lies in the Creator. The true beauty of, of the church is not its building, but it is its creator, okay? So it's awful easy. Um, sometimes we build buildings, um, and, and we worship. In, we don't worship in the building. We worship the building. Sometimes we have churches. We don't worship at church. Um, we worship the church. Um, sometimes we have a denomination, and we don't worship you know, as the denominationalists. We, we worship the denomination. We've got to be very, very careful. Listen, listen. It's too easy to worship a building, a religion, a denomination, a tradition. We've got to be careful that we understand we are to worship God. Amen? We are to worship God and Him alone. So, God goes on and asks another question. And He says in verse number 3, the second part. He says, how in comparison does it look to you now? Compare that temple, God says, with this temple... And how does it look? Now, granted, they're working on the temple, but you can see, if you've ever gone through a subdivision and they're building a house, you can see what the house is going to look like often by the footprint. So, so they had an image in their minds and, and the stories and, and all those things about the, how grand Solomon's temple was. And then they look at this. This isn't very big. This isn't very grand at all. So, so God says, I know you know that. How does this compare? How does this compare How's it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. Wow. What a, what, a, what a crazy thing for God to say. But you know what? It was true. It was true. When they saw what they were building, how different it was. How the temple they were going to build was so much less. Okay? Now, here's, here's my what-if question. Okay, we, we remember the good old days, the grand days, the wonderful days. And then we look over here and we see what seems to be so different. Again, on an average Sunday morning, and by the way, this is a little bit bigger crowd, I can tell you right now. But we, for the last four weeks, five weeks, we've run about 106, 110. Now compare that again to 100 or 300 just six months ago. Okay, it looks very different. Okay, that's not all. The schedule is different. The activities are different. The way we take offering, as you tell us every week, all of this is different. And you go, hmm. But what if? What if God in his sovereignty is doing something new? What if this isn't about the Chinese or what if it's not about this or that? What if God, who I believe, by the way, is sovereign over all things, so I think the Bible teaches that, so what if our sovereign God is doing something new? What if he has something he wants to do with us, in us, and through us that's going to be accomplished in the present day circumstances that we have? What that means is this. We've got to be willing to let go of the past to embrace the future. Now, again, if it's all about, you know, if you believe in accidents and circumstantial stuff and God's not in this and God's on vacation in Florida and he doesn't have anything to do with this, I understand you don't get that. But if you believe in a sovereign God who's in control, who doesn't take vacations in Florida, okay, then you kind of wonder, what if he's doing something and it's him? That means we have to let go of the old to embrace the new. See, you can't, you can't have your arms full of stuff and embrace God. Including, you can't have your arms filled with the past and embrace the new thing that God might... Does it make sense? 
Does that make sense? I'm telling you. Yeah, listen. I'm telling you, this is huge. Listen, I would say this. I would say this. The future of our church depends on us getting this. There are the, our, our county, our county, our county are filled, is filled with churches that used to. And now there's five people or no people. You know, Rusty Moorcraft just put a word out that one of our churches in our association are closing its doors forever. If you're, going, if you're going to grow and thrive with God, then you've got to be willing to embrace what He allows or what He sends. That's just the way that it works. Now, now it's really, now I told you before, in case you remember, Nehemiah, Ezra, and Haggai are all the same time, all talking about the same thing, the building of the temple and all that. Now, watch this, watch this. In Ezra chapter 3, verse number 11, Ezra 3, 11, what has happened? Um, it's it's um, 538 B.C. They've been, back in, they've been back in Jerusalem for two years. They've worked two years now to build the foundation of the new temple. Okay? Now, they're fixing to have a party. Just like I tell you, just like this is Christmas morning every time. Every time we have to come back, woohoo, let's not lose that. How exciting it is to be in the house of God with the people of God, worshiping the one true God. Let's don't lose sight of that. It's just, it's just incredible that we get to do that. Don't miss that. Don't lose that. Well, it's party time. In Ezra 3.11, here's what happens. They, the people, sang with praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. For he is good, his faithful, faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people, someone say all the people. Yeah, all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's house had been laid. All they had was a foundation, but man, they were ready to celebrate after 70 years in Babylon, after 70 years of captivity. They get to come home and they were doing something for God. And they were excited. No, no, it wasn't as big as Solomon's. Never would be. Was never designed to be the old house. It was a new house. And they were excited because God was doing something new. Now, this next verse is so incredible. Look at verse number 12 of Ezra 3. But many of the old priests, many of the old priests, uh, some of the Levites and family heads who had seen the first temple wept loudly. When they saw the foundation of this temple. A lot of the priests, the older priests, the Levites and the family heads. When they looked at this, the new thing. And they saw and remembered the old thing. They weren't, they weren't shouting. They were weeping. You know why? They wanted the past. They wanted the past. They wanted what used to be. And guess what? It wasn't going to happen. I said, I think I may have said it already. I know I said Wednesday night. If you're longing for the 50s, they're not coming back. They're gone. They've been gone a long time. But what we do have is that God is doing something new. In fact, the, the verse goes on and says um, that, that they wept loudly when they saw the foundation of this temple. But many others shouted joyfully. So you have this conflict going on. You've got some of God's people going, Woohoo! We're doing something for God. It's new. It's different. You've got some folks saying, I want that. That's understandable. I want you to know that. That's understandable. But it's also dangerous. Because if we're not careful, we'll miss God. We may, we may go back to the way we used to do things always. And when, when, by the way, that may one day happen. I don't know. But right now, God's not allowing that right now. But he might one day. He might one day. Now, here's a dangerous thing. Have you ever wondered why? There are two reasons why. I don't know what you wonder. There are two reasons why the people didn't do anything for 16 years. I think there's two reasons. Number one is King Darius, I'm sorry, King Artaxerxes, sent the message to the, to the people there and said, Stop the Jews. Just stop them. You're right. They're troublemakers. It's, it's, a, it's a firebred situation. Just, just stop, stop the Jews. Well, you know what I'm afraid the other part was? The old priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the first temple and wept loudly made it awful easy to quit. We've got to be careful we're not Debbie Downers. We, we've got to be careful. Listen, we've got to be careful. It may not ever be like it was. 
But that's not a reason to throw our hands up in the air and quit. Listen, these are days to celebrate and be grateful that our God is doing something new. Amen? Come on now. That's a good place to say amen. You know, we need to celebrate and be grateful that God is doing something new. And remember this. Your mind and your heart hear everything your mouth says. Your mind and your heart hear everything your mouth says. And you just keep saying, oh no, poor me, poor us. We lost. We're losing. It's over. Game over. God, God, God's not sufficient anymore. Be careful. You might just start believing that. Be very careful. Be careful. I was going to say this later, but let me just say it now. Let's not insult God by saying His best days are in the past. Let's not insult God by saying His best days are in the past. Because they are not. They are not. And remember this. And remember this. The building... Doesn't make a church great. The building does not make the church great. A denomination doesn't make the church great. Uh, traditions does not make the church great. What makes the church great? What makes the church great is our God and His people. Our God and His people. And last time I checked, we still got our God and we still got God's people. Amen. Let me tell you something. When we when we go to Africa, oh, they get excited. It's one of the things we love to hear is that they start a new church. They start a new church. Now, now to us, generally speaking, that means somewhere a building is being filled by a new group of people. So either they build a building or bought a building, and we go, oh, look, there's a new church. Not in Africa. They understand it better than we do. When you go to one of the islands we go to, and they say, oh, this island has a new church. Well, where is the new church? See that tree? We meet every Sunday in that tree. And we worship the Lord God. And we worship the King of Kings and the Lord. See, they understand a building is not the church. The church is the people of God worshiping God and serving God Almighty. That, no matter what it looks like, that's what the church is. So we've got to embrace that. We've got to embrace that. Isaiah 43, a wonderful scripture. A wonderful scripture. Here's what God said. Forget the former things. Now, now, I understand you need to learn from the past. However this comes out, we need to learn from the past. There's some things we don't need to remember to do, and there's some things we need to forget because they weren't good things. Okay? So, so forget the things of the past. See, do not dwell on the past. I am doing a new thing. Somebody say amen. I, listen, honestly, I believe this. I believe God is doing a new thing. God, see, God's, <laughs> what, how many of y'all think God goes backwards? Anybody here think God goes backwards? Okay, how many of y'all think God just stands still? Just, how many of y'all serve a stagnant God? Oh, you know, you're like an old dirty pond. My God's just an old dirty pond. That's all it is. He just gets stagnant. Well, let me just tell you this. If God doesn't go backwards, if God doesn't get stagnant, that only leaves one choice, and that's going forward. And that's going forward. God is doing Something new. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Somebody get some oxygen. Hurry. Woo! Shoot that thing. I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you see it? Can't you perceive it? Don't you see? He says, I am making a way in the desert. I'm taking taking and paving a brand new highway right through the driest things. He said, I'm bringing abundance. I'm bringing streams into the wasteland, he said. God is doing a good thing, and it's not a bad thing. See, God don't do bad things. Uh, Just a reminder, God doesn't make junk, and God don't do bad things. He is making a stream in the desert. And and Paul, our brother Paul, listen to what he said in 2 Timothy 3.14. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it. He goes, I've not arrived at all I've been talking about. But watch this. This one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind. See, Paul had some things that was best left in the past. Some of those were failures and some of them were successes. You do understand that Paul was very successful in his past. A wrong success, but he was successful. 
He was respected. He trained under Gamaliel, one of the best teachers, uh, rabbis that there was. When people, when Paul walked into town, even though he was young, people respected Paul. People were like, oh, look, there's Paul. So he had some successes. And you know what he said about them successes? I've learned to forget them. I've learned to forget them. And listen, Paul said let go of his failures. He had plenty of failures. As a Christian, he would walk into church and he'd hear some whispering over in the corner. Or he would introduce himself to a, a lady and said, How, you look familiar by seeing you. Oh yeah, you have my husband stoned. Paul had a past. So he says, he says, forgetting what's behind. I've chosen to forget my, my success that was outside the will of God. I've also learned to forget my sin, which was, of course, outside the will of God. Forgetting what is behind, I strain, I'm straining toward what is ahead. ahead. Church, we need to strain. We need to strain for what is ahead. But to do that, we've got to be willing to accept change and do business however God wants us to do business in these coming days. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But we've got to be willing to let go of those things. I'm willing to, to let it go. I, I press. I, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me toward heaven. Hey, Paul says, listen, I've got to let go of the past. But I'm also going to strain forward to this new thing that God has for me. Has God given you new things? Sure. What's the Bible saying? 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Again, God doesn't go backwards. He doesn't stagnate. He moves forward. He moves. So whatever is going on, again, if you believe in the sovereignty of God, whatever is going on, okay, God's got it. God's got, God has a plan on what he's doing. Um, Bill King is the author, artist, creator of Family Circus. Y'all remember that old cartoon, Family Circus? Remember that? Yeah, well, here's what he said. It's a little bit corny, but boy, is it good. Okay? Yesterday is history. You know, tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift from God, which is why we call it the present. Isn't that good? This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. It's not a time to whine. It's not a time to complain. It's a time to be thankful for this day that God has given us. Amen? It's biblical, man. It's biblical, straight from the Bible. And so Haggai continues in verse number four, the first part. He says, but now, this is where it gets so encouraging. But now the Lord says... Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people that are left in line. You know, it's not a time to be weak. It's not a time to be bemoaned. It is a time to be strong. Come on now. It's time to be strong. And, of course, you know, Zerubbabel was the, was the, uh, he was the um, governor of the land. Okay, so his influence was outside. And so, so Zerubbabel, use your influence outside. Listen, if you're a person of faith, if you're a person of faith and you have influence in our community, use that influence for the glory of God. Be strong. Be strong. Hey, hey, hey. You know, if you're like a pastor or a lay person in a church, use that influence. Use your influence as a leader in the church for, for bringing glory to God. Be strong. And all God's people. Somebody say all God's people. Yeah, all God's people. All God's people. Be strong. Be strong. This is the time for the church to be the church. This is the time for the church to be the church. This is the time for the church to know who we are and what we stand for and who died for us and who we're going to serve. It's time for the church to be the very church. You know, Paul said this way in Ephesians chapter 3. If you ever are down in the dumps and you need encouragement... Grab a hold of this one. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him, to the king, to, to the Lord of lords, to the king. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond, above and beyond, all we can ask or think. So Paul says, now to him who is able to do above all. So anything that you can, you, you can write down. You know, here's my prayer list, God. 
Okay? All right? or, or things we can think. Anything we can imagine. To him who is able, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. We serve a God who can do anything. Now, that doesn't mean when you put it on your prayer list, you're going to get what you want. God's still God. But he'll hear your prayer, and I promise you this, he'll do what's good for his glory and what's good for you. That's what it is. And, there, and there's so many things. Listen, see, again, we, we see the present situation, and it could be depressing if we allow it to, unless we think, wait a minute, let's, let's think outside the box. What is God doing here? What is God doing? And let me tell you something. There is, we can't even begin to imagine all that God is doing in our midst. So Haggai, the Lord says, in Haggai 2.4, says, And now, get to work. And now, get to work. <laughs> no, no, haven't you heard, Dwayne, uh, Pastor, haven't you heard they shut us down? Haven't you heard that the circumstances are such that we can't do ministry? Well, don't tell that to Blair and her team who packed 250 or 75 school bags. Don't tell that to the men who went to Glacia this week and or last was it this week, last week, boys, this week, and cut trees up under the under the with a big yellow trailer that says Illinois Disaster Relief. Don't, don't tell that to the ladies. Large, all these are all largely Georgeville people who, who filled a van up, a cars up, and went to the Christian Activity Center and worked all day uh, gathering up school supplies for the Christian Activity Center. Don't say, don't, 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 don't say that to the ladies who once a, meet, um, once a month at least meet into who's your neighbor. Don't, 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 don't tell me Dorsville can't and is not ministering. Dorsville not only can minister, Dorsville is ministering. Get on board. Find out, find out, what, listen, amen. Find out, listen, listen, listen. Find out what you can do for God and do it. And you don't even have to do it through the church. You've got neighbors, you've got friends. Help, share, love. Just like Jesus would have you. Does that make sense? I mean, these are, these are exciting, encouraging times. Are they difficult times? Yeah, boy. Woohoo, shoo. Crazy times. But are they times that God is working? Yes. Are they times that God's going to work more? Yes. Are they times when God's inviting us to be a part? And the answer is yes. Oh, Henry Blackaby, one of our favorite old Bible teachers, said, watch to see where God is working and join him in his work. You know, the greatest thing a church can do is find out what God is doing and just join Him. You know, Rick Warren says this, while you're waiting, God's working. Even when it seems like you're in a waiting room, don't, you may be waiting, but God's working. God's working. And Hudson Taylor, Hudson Taylor was the father of modern missions. Okay? And here's what it says. Listen carefully because it's kind of like old English. God's work is not man working for God. Let me read it again. God's work is not man working for God. It is God's own work. It is God's work. And then he said, though often wrought or done through God's hands. God's working. He's got work. It's his, not ours. We're only invited to be a part. And let me tell you, it's exciting. You know this. You've been to Dorsville. Some of you have been here to Dorsville for years. And you know. Listen, listen, listen. Who said, who said, who said, who said that the best days of Dorsville are somewhere in the past? Who said that? Shame on you. Shame on you. Listen, the best days of the church are ahead. And the best days of Dorsville are ahead. And by the way, the best days of God are ahead. Deuteronomy. I'm sorry. Colossians 3.23 is our work ethic. During the COVID virus. He'd write this down. Take the first three words. Whatever you do. Whatever you do. Number one. Whatever you do, do it from your heart. Your COVID work ethic is whatever you do, do it from your heart. Call your neighbor. See if they need food. Call your neighbor. See if they need a prescription picked up. Call your neighbors and work. Do it from your heart. Whatever you do, do it something done for the Lord and not for people. We don't work for people. We work for God. Amen? We work for God. The church works for God and not for the pleasing of people. Number three, whatever you do, know that you will receive the reward of the inheritance from God. Well done, 
good and faithful servant. And whatever you do, number four, you know, remember this, you serve God. You serve God. It's all about Him and what He is doing. Now, this is again when I need to slow down because this is an old English thing. Some of you know the work, uh, the writings of Oswald Chambers, a young man who died very early but wrote some profound devotions. Here's what he said. We tend to set up success in Christian work as our purpose. We tend to set up success in Christian work as our purpose. In preacher talk, that's seats in the seats and dollars in the plate. When, I, when we have a church and, oh, it's a full house, success. When the offering's good and we're ahead of budget, success. Okay? We tend to set up success in God's work, in Christian work, as our purpose. Now listen to this. Listen to this. But our purpose should be to display the glory of God in human life. To live a life hidden with Christ in God in our everyday human conditions. Our success, our purpose should not be to succeed in dollars and seats in the seat, but to bring glory to God. To God be the glory, great things He has done. And let me tell you something. God's never concerned Himself with numbers. He whittled Gideon's army down to 300. Okay? So whatever our attendance is today, I want you to know something. You're more than enough to turn our community and perhaps this state upside down with God's power. Come on, amen? Don't get quiet. Amen? Don't lose this. Don't lose this. Dwayne, is it challenging? Of course it's challenging. Dwayne, is it difficult? Uh, yes, it's difficult. But is it impossible? Well, I don't think so. Not, not what God said. You know, in fact, in Haggai 2.5, I mean, this is really some incredible scriptures. In Haggai 2.5, he says, My spirit remains among you. Talking to the children of Israel. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. So don't be afraid. Just like I was with your ancestors when they came out of Egypt, I am with you today. Oh, 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 oh. And just like he's with the children of Israel, then he's with his people today. Now, let me tell you this. You know, you know, God was God, and he was with us pre-COVID. When COVID wasn't even on our radar, he was still God. And he was with us. And, and while we were in the middle of that thing and we were shut down and we didn't know when we were going to meet again, guess what? He was still our God. And he was with us. And I don't know what the future holds. But you, but you go out there where you want to go. Go, go as far, pick a day out there. And when you get to that day, you're going to find God still there. He, come on now. He's still with you. He's still with you. Pre-COVID, mid-COVID, post-COVID, it doesn't matter. He's there. You know, Moses was talking to the children of Israel and said this in Deuteronomy 21.6. Be strong. Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid. People of God, don't be terrified and don't be afraid. God's got this. God's got it. No matter what the future looks like, God has it. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. Then verse number 6 in Haggai 2. For this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I do not think, drawing parallels and principles, how many of y'all could agree that it seems like God has shaken the earth? Y'all see, we, we think this COVID thing is a Saline County deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, we think then it's the state of Illinois deal. Well, then we think it's just America. No, almost virtually, well, 90% of the nations in the world have been shaken by COVID. I will again shake the nations, the Lord says. On our wall out there in the connector, we have Haggai, excuse Habakkuk 1.5. Listen to this, listen to this. The Lord replied, look around at the nations and be amazed. Look around at the nations and be amazed. For I am doing something in your own day. I'm going to bring that right into 2020. I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. 
Am I the only one that sits in a staff meeting with six other people every week and goes, I just can't believe this? Has, has there anybody in the room who hasn't said, you know, I just can't believe this? I just can't believe this. I believe God is allowing or has sent something in our midst to shake us up for his honor and for his glory. You know, it's Romans 8, 28. You know, no, I'm not saying, why are you saying the pandemic is good? Did I say that? I don't remember saying that. Brent, did I say that? But Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together, all, 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 all things work together for good. To those who love God are called according to his purpose. If God sent him, God allowed it. You better believe he's got a purpose for it. God's not into wasting suffering. God's not into wasting suffering. He has a plan and a purpose for it. John Piper said this. In every situation, in every situation, in every circumstance of your life, God is always doing a thousand different things that you cannot see and do not know. you believe that? I do. I do. God's constantly working, saying things I cannot see and things I cannot know. You remember that scripture we talked about, you know, John 21, 25? And how we talked about in 1,095 days, the things that Jesus did could not be written in all the books of the whole world? Imagine this. What if we tried to write everything that God does in a single minute around the world? That was just in one, that was just in one Paul small part of the world. Can you imagine trying to record all the things, come on, all the things that God is doing around the globe? In even a single minute, universes and galaxies could not record what God is doing. Oh, 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 I forgot to tell you, we serve a great God. We serve a great God. We serve an awesome God. And we can trust Him. We can trust Him. We can trust Him. Haggai 2.7, I will shake all the nations. Write this one down. I will shake all the nations. And the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. You know what that is? That's a missions verse. See, the treasure of a country is its people. And the greatest treasure of God are the redeemed. Read your Bible. You're the apple of his eye. He's pretty keen on you. And the greatest treasure, the greatest treasure... Of God is the redeemed. And he said, I will shake all the nations. And, and, and Bible, the Bible say, from every tongue and every tribe. Every tongue and every tribe. I will shake all the nations. And the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I tell you, it's a missions verse. It's a missions verse. And then I will fill this place with my glory. Because let me tell you something. The greatest glory of the redeemed is the presence of God. See, see, the greatest treasure is not the building. The greatest treasure is not the denomination. The greatest treasure is none of those things. The greatest treasure is God. And you get a church, whether it's five, as Jesus said, two or more, whether it's two or 10,000, you get those people turned on, fired up, madly in love with Jesus, and the world changes around us. The world changes around us. Why? Because of God. Because of God. Psalm 8410 says, A single day, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. That's how precious God is. That's what a treasure God is. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I, I would rather be a gatekeeper, a doorkeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. Just to keep going, he goes, and then he goes, Haggai goes, you know, God speaks through Haggai and says, the silver is mine, he says, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I have the power and I have the resources. I can't do anything. Do I need sure? Well, I don't know. He told a little virgin girl that she was going to be the mother of Jesus, and she said, how is that going to happen? She said, oh, haven't you heard? Nothing is impossible with God. Say it with me. Nothing is impossible with God. Believe it. Get your religion out of the Bible and get it in your heart. Because we serve an awesome God. And with Him, all things are possible. I almost left this quote out. Time's a little bit of an issue. But, but I, I almost, almost left it out. 
But I said, no, there's something important here. Randy Alcorn is just a great teacher, a Bible teacher. And here's what he said. He said, from beginning to end, from beginning to end, um, Scripture repeatedly emphasizes God's ownership of everything. Now, y'all agree with that? Scriptures say over and over again, God owns everything, which means, I set you up, by the way, which means God owns these days. COVID don't own these days. The government don't own these days. Circumstance don't own these days. Accidents don't own these days. If he's the owner of everything, he owns these days. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be exceedingly glad in him. So, so, you know, from beginning to end, Scripture repeatedly emphasizes God's ownership of everything. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. When I grasp that I am a steward and not an owner... This is so good, I can't stand it. When I grasp that I'm a steward and not an owner, it totally changes my perspective, okay? If God owns these days, that means we... We don't own these days. He does. When we realize that he's the owner and I am simply a steward or a manager of these days, it will change your perspective. You'll change it. When you realize that you're a child of the king and you're serving at the pleasure of the king. And what he says, we do. And where he sends, we go. Then it changes everything. It changes our perspective. Haggai 2 9 will wind her up. The future glory. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory. Says the Lord of Heaven's armies. And they're looking at this foundation. They started rebuilding the temple. They look at this foundation and go, sure not much. And God says, You need to know something. I know, I know to you this new thing doesn't look like much. I know to you it doesn't look as good as the past. I, I know to you it's just not much. But, but, but you need to know something. The future glory of this temple, this temple, the future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord. Now, here's what he just said. I just realized this. Here's what he said. Remember how grand the great... Remember the good old days? Remember the former temple with all this gold plate and all of that? This temple is going to be greater than that temple. So the works of the future... The works of the future are going to be greater than the works of the past. Oh, come on now. Don't you sit on that. The works of the future that God has is going to be greater than the works of the past. Shoot that thing. Do y'all believe that? I mean, the future of of the glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. And in this place, I'm going to bring peace. I, the Lord, I love who says this. I, the Lord of Heaven's armies, have spoken. In fact, you do know this, don't you? When God says something, it's as good as done. When God says something, it's as good as done. It's going to happen. So, let me, let me put a bow on this. So, easy? No. Dwayne, you know the future? No, I, I, don't clue. I can't figure out tomorrow. Brent, can you figure out tomorrow? <laughs> we, we meet every Tuesday for stabbing and go, well, I don't know. You know, we don't know. But we serve a God who does. And all we have to do is be willing to trust Him. Step by step, hour by hour, day by day. Knowing that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. Okay? That God is going to bring glory to His name and it's for your good. You can take that to the bank. It's true. It's true. And then, and then, we simply get up every day and say, Okay, God, this is your day. You've made it. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it as I walk through this day. We don't have to be afraid. If you're, now, now, if you're not a believer, I understand. Because you don't know where you're... Well, you may know where you're going to spend eternity. 
but God has given us a way through his son Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, that we can have assurance of heaven. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of decision. My friend Brent's going to be standing out front, and we will try to answer every question you've got about. Okay, how can I know I'm going to heaven when I die? How can I know that, that I can have this God walking beside me that you talked about? How can I know he'll walk beside me and not desert me? We would love to answer those questions for you. And during decision time, we invite you to come down and do that. We do. We do. But here's the deal. We don't have to be afraid, children of God, because our God is in control. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. I'm Tony Evans. Some of the things Tony says I like, sometimes he disagrees with me. Okay? <laughs> I disagree with him. That's okay, because I don't agree with myself most of the time. <laughs> Not a deal. <laughs> but here's what he said. Listen to this. you got to figure out. If you are a Christian, if you are part of this unshakable kingdom. See, he's going, the shaker is going to shake the nations. But nothing can shake the shaker. You're going to be eating chicken today and go, oh, I got that. If you are a Christian, if you're part of this unshakable kingdom, I want you to give thanks that this pandemic does not own you. Because God owns. So you can leave here with confidence knowing that you, if you trusted Christ as Savior and you're a child of God, that God owns you. Circumstances don't. Accidents don't. Pandemics don't. God. Everything that occurs through our lives as a child of God, our Father filtered. Our Father filtered. The future of our church is Father filtered. It's Father filtered. We can rest and trust. Oh, Father, thank you so very much for the privilege of sharing these truths today. God, thank you that you are God. You are sovereign. You are in control. And Lord, it is hard sometimes to let go of the past. It's difficult. Some of our favorite memories over the 20 years that I've been here are linked to the past. But, Father, I know this, that if you are moving us forward to whatever the new normal is, then you're already there, and we can trust you. We can trust you. I pray, Father, first for my friends that might be here who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. And I know those are churchy words, Father. They may not understand, but they're feeling a pull in their heart to come and, and do something with this truth that they heard today. They might even know what that something is. But may we have the privilege of talking about that something. Admitting we're sinners. Turning from our sin. Choosing to follow Jesus. Believing that he died for us. I pray for that. And Father, I want to pray for our church family. Thank you so much for this church. Thank you for a glorious past. But thank you for a glorious future. You are so far from not done. The future is as bright as the promises of God. And we believe that. So have your way in this decision time. Uh, may we, Father, do exactly what you want us to do. And may we trust you. And Jesus, I pray this 